everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing, and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray. Be blessed by the Word of the Lord. I want you to take your Bible, go with me quickly to Hosea chapter 6, and I want to just tell you that God is moving. I got six amens and a bunch of faces looking at me, but I'm telling you, you woke up this morning and he was on the move. Hallelujah. Just got a text, Pastor Chris leaned over and read a text. I knew things like this are happening. The young man standing down in the altar worshiping the Lord just a moment ago, some of the guys wouldn't prayed with him. No fanfare, nothing. Just got baptized in the Holy Ghost right over there while we were worshiping. I tell you this, hell is in trouble. You hear what I said? Hell is in trouble. Not because we woke up, but because Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Hosea chapter 6. Verse 1. I want to say this before we get into this. There's a reason why we say amen. I want you to know that I don't beg for amens because you make me feel good when you say amen. I could care less if you say amen for me or not. But when I say or he says or he says or she says the word of the Lord, amen out of our mouth is a testimony that you agree with the word that has been declared. And when you say amen, what you're saying is that promise belongs to me and to my house. So when I say, say amen, it ain't because if you don't, I'll feel insecure because I've been preaching all my life. I'm going to keep on preaching whether people say amen or not because the word is true whether I add my agreement to it or not. But my agreement makes that promise accessible for me. So today, how many want to receive the word and the promise of the word be your word? Somebody say Hosea 6, come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live. Somebody say that we may live that we may live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. And for a moment this morning, I want to preach this message God laid on my heart yesterday. I choose revival. Father, help us today, bless us today, and send the rain of your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I, I'm going I'm to testify for a moment as I get to the message on my heart today. I was with my dear friend, my closest friend, 
Apostle Jim Rayleigh this past weekend, and we were together for a conference with pastors, and I began to preach on Friday night, and I shared with the congregation, hundreds of pastors there from all over the nation, I shared with them how this weekend is holy unto the Lord for me. It was on this weekend, nine years ago in 2014, that God turned me personally and our church corporately upside down. Now, I have been pastoring since I was 22, 21 years old. In 2003, was appointed to the church. God had blessed our church. Our church had grown. We had built buildings. We had seen tremendous increase, and I'm thankful for all of it. But in 2014, I had a, an encounter with God while I was preaching in the pulpit on Sunday morning, two weeks before the Super Bowl. And while I was preaching, I might have shared this here, but I'm going to share it again. While I was preaching that sermon out of my right ear, I've never had the encounter before or since. And God knows my heart. I'm not creating some sense of sensationalism, and I am not embellishing on this encounter. Hallelujah. While I was preaching out of my right ear, I heard the Lord say to me, watch this. And I said to the Lord in the middle of my sermon, watch what? Watch what? And he never responded, but I had this heavy weight of God's presence on me, and I pressed into it for several weeks. Several weeks later, on this very weekend, um, I was in a conference at our church for young people, for college students, particularly Lee University. And for those of you who know, I went to Lee University and graduated from there. My wife went there and graduated from there. And my son uh, went there. Both of my sons went there. And so we, we have this connection. And on that weekend, we had a desire to have something for what we, well, what we began to call then Forge. Are there any Forge students in the house, by the way? Okay, y'all know how to make some noise. Wonderful. You might get a date if you'll talk a little bit. Hallelujah. Um, I had a weekend for college students. Devin and I did, and Friday night was very typical. Saturday night, however, something powerful happened. We were singing a song, and Devin walked up and said, can I sing? You have to know my wife. Uh, she's a little bitty thing, and she, uh, she came up to me. She said, I have a strange song on my heart. And I said, by all means, sing it. The services were very normal, but she started singing this little song. From the tips of my toes to the top of my head, they're going to know I love you. And she just started singing that over and over. And at first I thought, Lord, she has missed it. What are we doing? What are we doing here, Lord? Help us. But suddenly the heavens split open over that place. And I mean to tell you the manifest presence of God came in that room, and like weight, it sat on us. What started out with about 40 students grew in one night to about 400, and I'm not exaggerating. It was overflowing, and the power of God began to move. And I asked the speaker, my friend Damon Thompson, to stay over, and he did. That next morning, the power of God hit the whole church. I wanted to go to the pulpit and wind the service up. And as I walked to the steps, it was like I walked into hot lava. My legs melted. 
the weight of God's presence sat on me. Now, some of you would say, why do people fall in the floor? Why do people fall in the floor? It's very simple. They cannot stand up. It is in, please just consider this, religious people, please consider this. It is entirely possible that the God who spoke the entire universe into existence touches your little finite being and you fall in the floor. It's rather miraculous you don't explode. My wife always says this, don't fake it, but don't fight it. Tell your neighbor, that's pretty good right there. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, don't fake it. We don't have to have courtesy drops. I don't care if you fall, stand, run, spin, it don't matter to me. Don't fake it, but whatever you do, don't fight it. Let God do whatever he wants to do in your life. I laid in that floor on the Sunday of the Super Bowl in 2014, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to come back to church tonight. And I'm laying on the floor, arrested by the power of God. And I'm arguing with the Holy Spirit. This is a true story. I said, Lord, it's Super Bowl Sunday. We have a thousand hoagie sandwiches coming for a party tonight. Nobody will come to a church service on Super Bowl Sunday. And the Holy Ghost said to me, I will. Okay, you win. We'll come back to church tonight. This is before we had a social media footprint. This is before we were on television. I'm not even certain we were on live stream at this time. Chad would have to ask her that, answer that question. This is nine years ago. We were a much smaller church, and without any ability to advertise or get the word out, on that Sunday night, 1,100 people showed up. 1,100 people. And the power of God hit me again that night. And I laid on the floor. I could not move. And I'm not given. I, I am not falling to make anybody feel good. I am a, I'm a, you know, I'm a big guy, but I'm also uh, I'm my own guy. I'm, I'm not going to do things just to do things. But when the power of God sits on your person, all of a sudden you, you stop wondering what people think about you. I didn't even care. I wasn't even in my, I was so in a place of glorious bliss, I felt the power of God radiating on my being, like holy fire in my spirit. It was glorious. And while I'm laying in the floor, the Lord said this to me, for the next 90 days, I'm going to visit this house with my glory. And every family that connects to the move of God, I will indelibly stamp their heart with my presence and they will never be the same again. Let me tell you this. I have people today who are still in my church that are baptized in the Holy Ghost, operating the gifts of the Spirit. During that revival and just before it happened, they were dry hides. Dead. Religious and crusty. Name the name of the Lord, but never had a breakthrough, a prayer answered, not contending for a move of God. Just on my way to heaven, 
we needed revival. Looked at our church. I have elders sitting on the front row. I see leaders all over this room that have been with us for years. You look at our church from the distance and everyone would say, oh, Wallace and them, they got it going on. I'm telling you, again, I've said it three weeks in a row, big church is not what heaven is, is approving in this day. Thank God for growth. Thank God for growth. But I'm telling you right now, mega church is not big church. Mega church is potent church. And I made a decision in that place in my life because I was as churchy as Noah was Arky. Bishop. You know, we all, we're all about titles. You can tell where there's a system. It's all about titles and it's all about who's in the room. I'm telling you, when revival hits, it's about is Jesus in the room. So, where's this coming from? This is coming from, I'm just going to tell you, this week I've been wrecked. Because up the road in Kentucky at a little university is a group of some college students who forgot what time they were supposed to get out of chapel. And they forgot about what was next on their schedule. And they just started worshiping the king until, I feel him in here, I feel him in here, I feel him in here. They worshiped the king until the king showed up in the room. And when the king showed up in the room, they decided now that the king's here, we want to stay with him for a while. I want to tell you, it happened in in the 70s in the same university. It happened in the 70s. For seven straight days, that chapel was full of hungry worshipers. And young sons and daughters filled that chapel. And what most of us don't know about the Asbury revival of the 70s is that from that revival, revival groups sent out through America and stoked the flames of the Jesus movement. And there are some people in here today who say, well, the Jesus movement was a little bit different. No, it wasn't. It was birthed by God. And because it didn't look churchy, many church people, missed it and we ran our sons and daughters off and they found Jesus out in fields and they found Jesus on the streets of San Francisco and even our dear, even even a, a mentor, a, a spiritual father who's in heaven today, Dr. Paul Walker, he, he, he took a lot of heat. He took a lot of heat because in his day, Mount Perrin started welcoming in all the hippies that were getting saved and born again and people were saying they need to cut their hair, they need to change their clothes and he told them to keep their mouth off the harvest and I want to tell you today that what's getting ready to happen in this nation and what has already begun is not going to look like your little church Sunday school class and it's not going to make you feel real toasty but it's going to break the yoke and it's going to set the captive free and our sons and daughters who have been duped by religion are going to see feet like brass eyes like fire hear the voice of a sound of many water My God, somebody say, I choose revival. Glory! I tell you, it's coming to this city and it's coming to that university. It's coming to that university. Trying to see where I'm going here. 
but I got too many spiritual fathers that fasted for fire. They prayed for fire. It will not die in smoke. It will know the glory of the Lord. Lift your hands and praise the Lord. Worship him in the beauty of his holiness. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Glory, glory. We praise your holy God. Thank your Holy Spirit. Send the glory of your presence. Send the glory of your presence, Lord. Jesus, have your way. Holy Jesus. Holy King of glory. Holy King of glory. Holy King of glory. worship you glory Jesus have your way Jesus have your way my prayer My prayer is that we haven't seen so much fake that we have now become cynical and skeptical and that people even in spirit-filled churches have abandoned the expectation and the hope of a glorious, sovereign, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered move of God. We've all seen foolishness and fakery. And if I were the devil, and I knew God wanted to move in every generation, I would poison a generation with skepticism and cynicism and doubt, even church people who've seen creepy and weird, and now they say, I don't know if I want this revival thing. Friend, I'm telling you right now, what I'm talking about is not creepy. What I'm talking about is we not weird. It is supernatural, however. It doesn't always jive with your greatest theological persuasion. It doesn't always fit in the box you thought it was coming in. But when you open it and your sons and daughters are speaking in tongues and tumors are dissolving and broken marriages are being healed and Jesus' name is being glorified, I tell you what God is about to do is going to confound those who have said, I don't know if he'll do it again. He is doing it again. It's not time to sit by and watch the river flow. It's time to jump in the river 
wants him to move in you? Who wants him to move inside of you? The move of God. The move of God I'm talking about is not about a series of scheduled meetings. It's not about personalities. It's not about titles. It's not even about the manifestations themselves. It's not about the hype. When I speak of revival, I'm talking about a move of God in which the bride comes fully alive in his power and fully activated in their purpose. We'll say that again. When I say revival, I am talking about the bride coming fully alive in his power and also fully activated in her purpose. A dead church led by a dead preacher preaching dead sermons after a dead worship leader leads a dead choir singing dead songs doesn't win the lost. I'm not being critical because I'm telling you I've been dead before. And I'm telling you I'd much rather have this thing moving on the inside of me than to stand up here and preach when your mouth feels like sand in it and your spirit is dry and you're just talking instead of prophesying and no bones are coming together and no wind is blowing in the valley, I tell you those days are over. And if you don't believe me, look at mainline Christianity. They're emptying, they are emptying massive buildings and they're going back to watching church online. Why? Because they're fed up with religion. And you want to know where churches are growing? Churches are not growing with crystal cathedrals and massive chandeliers and Bella Lugosi organs over in the corner. Churches are growing where Jesus is walking through the candlestick of the church. The oil is flowing. The pandako, the power of God is moving. I am telling you, I don't have a red stop sign up to heaven today. I got a green light. I got a green light. Go ahead, Charlie. I got a green light. Anybody else got a green light? Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Don't do it without me. I don't want to dry up. I don't want to miss your glory. Somebody let out a praise, a glory, glory.
I want to say this to you. The church shouldn't have to always have a revival. Now, I'm going to be straight up with you. Revival is needed when the church is on a life support system and barely functioning. Now, let me tell you something. In this nation, the church is on life support. I don't have time to substantiate that claim, but it does not take a prophet or a person with a spirit of of the gift of discerning of spirits. It doesn't take someone with deep theology to look at the condition of the modern day church and recognize we need a revival. But the church is not intended to always have to have one. I'm going to show you this from the scripture. Put that uh, uh, second verse up for me, Chadwick, if you don't mind. Somebody said, are we preaching or having, uh, we're just in a flow. Stay with, stay with me. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. That we may live. Hold on. Chad McDonald, lift your hands. You and Jen, lift your hands. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for evangelistic fire to hit him and her. And as the fire of God comes upon them afresh and anew, open new nations to them in this year. Give him translators, give him means, give him the ability to get to the nations that you're about to open up to him. I see villages setting on, you're setting them on fire, Chad McDonald. The spirit of the Lord is bringing holy fire on your spirit right now. And God's going to give you villages and nations for the glory of the king. Somebody praise Jesus in this room. I thank you, God. Two days he will revive us. The third day he will raise us up that we may live in it. In his sight. That literally means in his face. You're not supposed to have to have a revival every week. He'll do it every week. But the intent is for him to revive us so that we can live in something. If you live in the fire, you don't have to have him relighted every Sunday. If you live in his presence, you don't have to go begging for it every Sunday. And sometimes religion gets us on this treadmill in which we get addicted to a revival when in reality he revives us so that we may live in it. What if it just wasn't on Sunday morning? What if tomorrow something breaks out at Walker Valley High School? Yep, you needed that, didn't you, sis? Go ahead and take it. Hallelujah. What if tomorrow something breaks out at Cleveland Middle and Cleveland High, Bradley County? What if something breaks out at Cleveland State and Lee University? And I'm going to tell you this right now. I think it, I think it is absolutely amazing 
that two things many of us have said we have given up on, a younger generation and the educational system. That is precisely where revival is breaking out on a young generation at a liberal arts university, the spirit of the Lord is gonna have his way. And I wanna declare it again, that place right down the road belongs to God and he's gonna have his way. You can stand if you want to. I'm gonna keep talking until I shut up and don't have anything else from the Lord to say. I was driving down the road and I was, I was thinking to myself about this, that it happened at a college it happened with young people. It's happening. 80, over 84 hours straight worship is going on now. No one's preaching. They're ministering to one another. Very, very, very little um, adult leadership. It's being driven and led by the students and the Spirit of God. I told the Lord, I was driving on my way to preach. They were taking me to preach on Friday night. I was sitting in the passenger seat, and I told the Lord, I just think it's so awesome, God that young people in a university are getting absolutely blasted by your goodness. And you know what the Lord said? Because this is part of the Methodist church. Asbury University is a part of the Wesleyan holiness movement. Go watch it online. It's not great. It's not like, you know, lights and smoke. and work. It's a guitar and a piano and some people singing and thousands of people weeping. And laughing because joy has been restored. <laughs> Listen, I told the Lord, I said, I think this is marvelous. But I also think it's unbelievable. And you know what the Lord said to me? Because I told the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, this would be so wonderful if John Wesley could see it happening. Because, you know, they've made a mockery of John Wesley. They tried. The Methodist church has become a shell of what he prayed it to be. And I heard the Lord whisper these words to me on my way to preach. God said to me, I will not be mocked. And I'm going to tell you what else he said to me while, I was while they were driving me. He said, I will not be mocked and I will not let John Wesley be mocked either. Yeah, you can take that for what it's worth. But that man prayed too many prayers to watch a devil overtake a movement that absolutely turned the world upside down. And somewhere those holiness roots are still down in the ground tapping into a river. And sons and daughters are rising up to say, not on our watch. We will not let this thing be overtaken by witches and warlocks. There is a move of God happening in the earth. You Lee University students, you better hear me. I don't know what you think about what it is now, but I know what it was 23 years ago when I was in it. I know the men and the women of God that walked that campus and prayed in the spirit. I sat with David Horton many times, tears running down his face. He would look at me and tell me, this campus will be a breeding ground for sons and daughters who will become prophets and worship leaders and leaders in the kingdom of God full of the power of God. I tell you, it will be that in the name of the Lord. Fire will come to the con center. The power of God will move upon that campus. Do it, Lord, for your glory. In two days, he will revive us. Why? Because at that point, they were dead. They had been obliterated. 
Lives were falling apart and the enemy had trampled them. And they come to themselves and recognize we need God. And they cried out to him and the Lord sent a prophet. And the prophet came to them and said, in two days, he will revive us. There's something about two days. I don't get it. But Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, said, my brother Lazarus is at the point of death. And the Bible said he waited two days. I'm not going to get into this, but I'm telling you when the Lord waits, it's only because his timing is perfect. I believe there's a prophetic picture in here because Peter told us a thousand days is as a thousand years with the Lord is as one day and one day is as a thousand years. That doesn't sound like smart math, but it's spiritual math. And there's something about this that since Jesus came and the early church was born somewhere around 2,000 years ago, I said 2,000 years ago, what are you trying to say? I believe we're coming into a third day. We've seen 2,000. One day with the Lord is as a thousand years. A thousand years is as one day. I hope somebody's catching what I'm laying down. If we've seen 2,000 years expired, it may feel like 2,000 years to a human but in the mind of God it's been two days but after two days I'm I'm going to my car but I'm preaching the Bible on my way after two days the Bible said he will revive us he will raise us up he will I believe the church is getting ready to leave this planet and yes there will be people who fall away but there is also a number of people who have made up their mind that if none go with me I'm still going to follow Jesus and those people are not going out with their lip on the ground with going out saying look what the Lord has done y'all better pray for Chattanooga my head feels like it's about to explode church shouldn't have to have revival every week it ought to get revived and live in it if you're living in it praise God if you're not, it's time for the altar of your heart to become full of a sacrifice so that fire can fall. What is all this fire talk? Holy, godly, manifest presence that feels like a flame has been ignited on the inside of you. Casual Christianity is canceled. I haven't, I got this message yesterday in prayer. I was preaching something totally different. Chad Madden will tell you. When I knew what I was going to say today, what God, what I felt like God was telling me to say, I trembled. I haven't fought personally so much over one message in years. I didn't sleep last night. I turned in my bed. I said, I'm going to go back and preach the rest of that message from last week, Lord. I haven't had time to study like I like to study and explore the text and 
build something. The Lord said, just, just read the text and shut up. <laughs> just hush. We always want some polished sermon. And I don't. Your babies have a destiny. Sons and daughters have a destiny in Christ. This city is a, it's going to be a city set on a hill. A model city. I told you this three weeks ago. You thought I was playing, but I'm not. What are they going to do when they get off the interstate at exit 25 and go to a gas station and they say, where's the church in revival? And the gas station attendant says, which one? They're all in revival. How? They're all in revival, Tom. They're all in revival. How do you know they're in revival? Because sex trafficking rings are closing down and bars are having to shut their doors and churches are having to go to multiple services and Lee University has to shift its calendar and schedule because sons and daughters are laying in the altar crying out to God for more of its glory. I hear the hype, I'm telling you. It happened nine years ago, and I remember it like it happened this morning. I remember standing on the stage one night trying to transition to service, and a young man I had pastored for years who was born blind in his right eye, Christopher, remember him. He starts jumping up and down. No one touched him. He's jumping up and down. I said, well, my God, what is he doing? He looked at me and said, oh, Bishop, I can see. Am I telling the truth? He said, God just opened my eye. Nobody prayed for him. Jesus healed him. We, we would have services sometimes. Y'all can't imagine this. I couldn't have either before it happened, but we would have services some t nights till midnight. Start at 7, and at midnight, we're trying to figure out how to get people to their car. And I'm not talking about weird people who were creepy. I'm talking about strong men who look like clay in the hand of a potter. I remember one night, a police officer... We have to have police officers at our campuses, and so we hired them to come in and keep, help keep things safe. And one of them come in one night. He had his King James Bible, which is fine. That's great. He also had John Hagee's latest edition of Four Blood Moons under his arm. I thought, oh, God, this is going to be great. He came in trying to talk to me about eschatology and the rapture and the, the blood moons. And I thought, brother, I don't even know what you're talking about. And quite frankly, I don't even care. He stood in that service that night and that man got so full of the Holy Ghost that after service he came into the green room. We couldn't talk the holiness of God. 
was all over the room. He came in and this man is in full uniform, 45 ACP sitting on his hip and he is weeping and snot is flying and he is speaking in tongues laying up under a table. He got up, this is a, I watched this happen. This policeman got up at one o'clock in the morning and he was going, whoa! And you say, what does that mean in the Greek? Here's what it means in the Greek. Whoa! He said, Whoa! And he kept on doing it. And he ran out the front of the church in the middle of Bailey Avenue with a gun on his hip at, a, at one o'clock in the morning. And he was skipping like a boy. And he was saying, Hey, Chattanooga, it's real. It's real. It's. Hey, Cleveland, it's real. I got to. I'm telling you it's real. And I don't care what religion is telling you. You showed up too late for me. He's real. The tomb is empty. The Holy Ghost is moving. Somebody praise him all over the room. Lift your hands, please. Chris and Crystal, I want you to get ready to help me pray. In two days, I will revive you. The third day, I'll raise you up that you may live in my sight. Hallelujah. I came to make an announcement. Revival is coming to this city. It ain't going to look like what you thought it was going to look like. But if you'll let the Holy Ghost in, here's the three things. I, don't, I can't even preach this. This is whatever. Here's what I heard the Lord say to me. The revival that I'm sending is prayer bread, word fed, and spirit-led. Chad, put that on the screen. Just, I want you to see it. Get it in your spirit. It's prayer bread, word-fed, and spirit-led. I call everyone in this house today to prayer. Not four minutes of bless me and my family. That's great. Bless your family every morning. Some of you need to get up 30 or 45 minutes earlier. Go to bed 30 or 45 minutes later. And spend some time crying out to God. We are not in a place where casual Christianity is the answer. And what is happening in Asbury is a green light for those who will see it. And I see it. Lift your hands if you can. And if, if, it's, an, if it's an imposition on you to lift your hands, don't do it because I'm, I'm inviting you into a moment to draw near to the Lord right now. And if you need to cry out to God, I get to the altar immediately. 
If you need to cry out for revival in your heart, I would get to the altar immediately. And I'm not waiting on a mass. I'm waiting on one. A spark is all it takes when God is in the building. Bless you, young man. Bless you, family. God bless every person coming to this altar right now. Pastor Crystal and Pastor Chris are going to begin to pray. I see a whole lot of sons and daughters coming. It's exactly what I believe God showed me. Yes, thank God for the old men and the young men and the seasoned mothers and the seasoned and the seasoned fathers. But I'm telling you, sons and daughters are not going to miss this. Come on, just start praying. I just want you to begin to lift your voice. And if you don't move to the altar, I don't want this is not Pigeon Forge. We're not spectating today. We did not come to watch God touch people. We came because somebody came because they're hungry. And if you're not hungry, pray till you get hungry. Pray till you, some of you need to repent of Christian apathy and you need to get set on fire again. Come on, just begin to call out to the Lord. Pastor Chris, Pastor Crystal, just going to continue to lead. But I want people to lift their voice and lift their hands. Just get comfortable raising your voice a little bit before the throne of God and make your petition known. Let's pray. Friend, I believe God is a miracle-working God, and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody's watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv, and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team want to pray for you. We want to make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from, and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. The best days of your life are still ahead of you, and we're praying for you today. God bless. I look forward to seeing you next week right here.